Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Everywhere we turn, there are advertisements, Instagram posts, and store windows showing us all the must-have items, especially during the Christmas season. But how can we find contentment in the midst of all of it when the world keeps telling us that we need more? Is it possible to enjoy material possessions without idolizing them? These are really hard issues, but God's Word gives us insight on what it means to be content with what we have. So come on and join us. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Daily Grace. This is Stephanie, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Joanna. Hey, hey. So Thanksgiving is over, and we're in the thick of the holiday spirit that kind of Mm -hmm. clouds the weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. (laughs) And yeah, it's a time where, I was thinking about this, where wardrobes kind of change, at least here in Georgia, it's getting cooler. (laughs) It's like just now getting cold. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Pretty decorations are going up everywhere, and most of us are just thinking about stuff, right? Like Mm. gifts and All of this has the potential to kind of set up the perfect storm for discontentment over what we have. Mm. Um, It's a time where we can be more acutely aware of the desires that we have that aren't met. Um, It's a time where we may say, man, I would be content or satisfied if I had X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to put it Mm. on my list. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we do, Joanna, share a favorite thing of yours from this week. Mm, Okay. So mine's kind of like not necessarily just this week, but in the past like month or so. So we're recording this early November and we've had some hints of fall and a couple days it decided to be winter. But (laughs) my favorite thing recently has been soup, like soup Mm. for dinner. And I've added it into... My weekly meal planning, which, you know, sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't. Yeah. But every week we've been making a soup and it's been so great. And it is so easy because I have the instant pot. And so it's like maybe like 15, 30 minutes of prep and then like less than an hour later of just letting it sit there. You have soup that tastes like it's been cooking all day long. (laughs) And so (laughs) it's been it's been great. We've done Yesterday, we did lentil soup. We had some friends over. We had lentil soup with like crusty bread, and I made like that olive oil dipping sauce. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've done beef barley soup. We've done tomato soup and grilled cheese. And so I've got some others in the future plans too. Yeah. Tomato soup with grilled cheese is like Mm. something that's always in our pantry because it's like our go-to meal if, if, you know, if it's a hectic night and you don't want to do pizza again. Yeah. Yeah, totally get it. It'll seriously change how you approach dinner time. Oh, yeah. It's so great. Huge time saver. (laughs) What about you, Stephanie? What was a favorite thing? Okay, so I have to have to share a book that I read this week, or maybe it was last week. Anyways, it's called Something Needs to Change by David Platt. 
Hmm. And it was so good. Like, it hmm. was the perfect book to read in the season of thinking about stuff. And actually, I didn't even read hmm. it in preparation for this episode. It just happened to align, I guess. Oh, but wow. it literally wrecked me in the best way. And I cannot mm -hmm. recommend it enough. So I will link it in our show notes. Seriously, everybody needs to go and read this book and just prepare yourself to be wrecked in the best possible way. It is also mm. on Scribd, where David Platt actually reads it to you. So oh, yeah. Can't that, that was, <laughs> it was so yeah. good. So highly recommend that. That was definitely something that will stick with me for a while. It's awesome. I think I saw a quote posted from that book recently, and I went and saved it on Scribd, but I haven't read it yet. So I'm excited. Listen to it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, like Stephanie said, we are talking about all the stuff that comes up in this holiday season and really just all year long. And by stuff, I don't mean all the problems. I mean physical material stuff. Right. And it, it can be really easy, like you said, to have this kind of discontentment rooted around the things that we have or that we don't have. And, you know, we've talked about this idea of contentment before, and we talked about it in episode 24, being content when life is disappointing. And so that was really about our circumstances, right? When life isn't maybe going the way that we hoped it would, when mm -hmm. we thought we'd be somewhere else, we thought we would be married, or we thought we would have this job, or you know, the things that we were hoping for didn't come true. But today, we kind of want to talk about it from a different angle. And that's our possessions, right? The things mm -hmm. that we have. And this is an issue any time of the year. But I think it becomes heightened a lot of times around the holiday season when there are advertisements everywhere for all the stuff that needs to be on your wish list mm -hmm. and all the gifts that you have to give and the gifts that you're hoping to receive and everybody telling you what to buy in order to have the perfect Christmas. And so, yeah, I think we're extra susceptible to these issues around this time of year. Oh, for sure. At least if you are in a westernized society, right? Mm -hmm. We're yeah. literally encouraged to look around and assess what we have, right? During Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. many of us sit around the table, we look around at our blessings, we give thanks, and then the next day, we are encouraged <laughs> to fill in the gaps of yeah. our possessions and um, just go shopping. But you so know what? True. Even if you didn't participate in Black Friday or Cyber Monday, we have Christmas coming up, and Christmas is generally a time where we give and receive stuff, like gifts, yeah. things. And so with this kind of collective push to consider our possessions in this season, we begin to, like you said, feel a heightened sense of awareness of our contentment or our discontentment regarding our mm -hmm. possessions. And, you know, maybe for some of us, it's a desire to be able to buy our kids certain gifts. Like yeah. we feel that more in this season. Or for others, it may be a desire to have a home that can be decorated with a 10-foot tree and all the Christmas decorations from the Magnolia line. Or I don't mm -hmm. know, maybe for you it's a desire for a bigger car or a new wardrobe or an upgraded iPhone. It could be yeah. so much, right? But mm -hmm. almost all of us have a wish list on Amazon. So yeah. <laughs> if you live in a westernized society, materialism is something that you're confronted with to some degree, especially in this season. Yeah. 
And yeah, it's just kind of this consumerism, right? That's all around us. And consumerism basically tells us you will be happy if you have these things. Um, But we want to ask a question, well, what does it mean to be content with what we have, Mm -hmm. with what we already have? And we know discontentment with what we have is wanting more, right? Feeling like we can't be happy because we don't have enough. Or maybe we will be happy once we have the thing that we want to have. Um, But I don't think that contentment is simply being happy with what you have, right? Because that kind of implies that those things that you have are still what's making you happy, (laughs) right? That it's still your possessions that Mm -hmm. make you happy. And so there is a sense where we can say it's being happy with what you have, but it's more that contentment is being satisfied with what we have because our satisfaction isn't even rooted in our possessions at all. Mm-hmm. It has to be rooted in something else. And yeah, we talked a lot about what biblical contentment is in that episode, episode 24, that mm-hmm. Joanna mentioned, and we'll link in our show notes. And we talked at length about how true contentment is something that comes from within. So from our union with Christ and the deep joy that is found mm-hmm. in him. And I love what you said. It's being satisfied, not because all of our material desires are met, but because mm-hmm. our satisfaction is rooted in something else. Yeah. Like we can be content. We can be totally satisfied because our need and our desire for God is fully met in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think we have to work hard to make the case that material goods can't truly satisfy anyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever heard the phrase, more money, more problems? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh, but it's so true. If we're looking to money or stuff to bring true satisfaction, we're going mm. to be left wanting, you know, because yeah. think about it. If there was a positive correlation between money and contentment, then the richest people in the world should be the most content, the most satisfied mm-hmm. and most joyful people in the world. Right. But that's not the case. Sometimes it almost seems like there's actually a negative correlation because Mm -hmm. more money, more problems, I guess. But ultimately, the point is we have to understand that we will never be content if our satisfaction is not sought or rooted in God alone. And this is because if we look to anything other than God to satisfy us, we are guaranteed to be dissatisfied because Mm -hmm. nothing in this world has the power to truly satisfy us. Right. Only God has the power to truly satisfy us. He alone can take away our deepest hunger and thirst. Um, Mm. I love John 6, 35. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. And this Mm. is how our creator designed it to be. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think about Psalm 1611, where David says, you have revealed to me the path of life. Like you have shown me the way. Yep. And he says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's the way that it's made to be. We find our satisfaction only in God because God is the only one who is perfectly holy and lovely and good and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was thinking about the fact that God is self-sufficient and he needs nothing else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he is, has everything he needs in himself. And that also means that he is fully satisfied in himself. He is the only being 
that is fully satisfied in himself alone. Mm -hmm. And that same thing is true for us. We are only satisfied in him alone. It's not that we can be self-sufficient, right? We are not. We need God. We depend on him. And so we find our satisfaction in the same place that God does in himself. And, you know, I think that our tendency is to seek after so many things that aren't going to satisfy. They might give like the illusion Mm -hmm. of satisfaction temporarily, but it's never lasting. And instead of realizing that we are seeking after the wrong things, we just think that we need more of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I was reading this quote. I feel like you've talked about this book before, Stephanie. Maybe I'm wrong. But there's a quote from the book, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Yeah. And here's what he says. He says, my brethren, the reason why you have not got contentment in the things of the world is not because you have not got enough of them. That is not the reason. But the reason is because they are not things proportionable to that immortal soul of yours that is capable of God himself. Many men think that when they are troubled and have not got contentment, it is because they have but a little in the world. And if they had more, then they would be content. That is just as if a man were hungry and to satisfy his craving stomach, he should gape and hold open his mouth to take in the wind and then should think that the reason why he is not satisfied is because he has not got enough of the wind. No, the reason is because the thing is not suitable to a craving stomach. And I love that quote. That just hit me hard because it's so true. We think that we need more and more and more, but we were never made to be satisfied by those things. We were never made to be filled by all of these things that don't satisfy. And it makes me think about that verse from Isaiah 55, verse 2, where God is saying to his people, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And it's just so true that God has been saying, we've been doing the same thing over and over. (laughs) We're trying to find satisfaction in things that were never made to satisfy. Mm -hmm. And he is the rich food. His his word contains the truth that we can hear so that we can come and live. You're so right. That is an old, old book by Jeremiah Burroughs. So good. And I just love how, yeah, he uses the the metaphor of cravings and just like in the Bible, mm-hmm. it's the bread of life. It's what's going to satisfy. I just love all of those words because they're really helpful here um, in talking mm-hmm. about the cravings that we have, not food-wise, but spiritually. And mm-hmm. as you were reading that quote, that reminds me of a quote from Augustine where he says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. Mm-hmm. And you may have heard that as like, everybody has a God-shaped vacuum in them. (laughs) It was just God's design for us to only find true rest and true satisfaction in him alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that quote from Augustine and popped into my head too. And I also love the All Sons and Daughters song that incorporates that quote. Um, I think it's just called Rest in You. It's so good. Um, But yeah, I think that so often we believe that stuff can give us that rest Mm -hmm. that only God can give. You know, we say, I'll be less stressed when I have financial security. 
or I will be content when I have my house decorated and set up the way that I want to so that it can be a place that's welcoming and relaxing. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be overwhelmed by what's not there or by the clutter. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or we say, I will be fulfilled when I can live a certain lifestyle. But the truth is that all of those things fade away. Yeah. You know, the truth is that we were made for eternity. I love that Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has set eternity in our hearts. Right, That's the true thing that we're longing for. Yeah. And the temporary things of this world won't satisfy. It's like you were saying, Stephanie. We can have a sure, rooted contentment in God because he abides, he remains, he Mm -hmm. stays the same, even when all of these other things fade away. Yeah. And you know, this was just like quote week for me (laughs) in this episode, but just all of these quotes kept coming to mind. And I think that's because we're getting at something here that's tugging on all of our hearts. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of people who have wrestled with this. It's an age-old struggle. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's an age-old struggle. All believers throughout all time have wrestled with this problem. Yeah. But there's a quote from C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. And he says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Yeah. And that's the truth. Our longings point us to what we were made for, that we were made for eternity in God's presence, to a place where the things that we have are imperishable, undefiled, Mm -hmm. and unfading because they are the things of God, the things that are eternal. And so not only are these temporary things not going to satisfy us, but they're not even worth seeking in the moment because they don't last. And I think that what we have to do is we need to turn and we need to fix our minds and fix our hearts and fix our affections on the eternal things, right? On God Mm -hmm. and on the dwelling place that we will have with him. And, you know, it's like 2 Corinthians 4.18 says to fix our eyes on the unseen things and not the seen things because the unseen is eternal, but the things that we see are temporary and fading away. They're really not worth fixing our affections on. Yeah. So thinking about eternity and fixing our eyes on what is not seen, like how does this all apply here? Thinking back to our previous episode on contentment, we talked about how our struggles with a lack of contentment can have a positive purpose in that they help us identify areas of idolatry in our lives. So our discontentment can point out potential idols in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to discontentment with what we have or don't have, we have to go there. We have to talk about the love of money. Mm. And (laughs) I know. But here's the thing. The love of money is a serious issue. Yeah. Like you see it all throughout the the Bible, right? The money Mm -hmm. is a serious issue. But here's the thing. It's a heart issue that, can be something that's not so readily apparent. So Mm. no matter what our actual financial situation is, bottom line, it's good for all of us to regularly evaluate our hearts. Yeah. Um, Because Mm -hmm. listen to this. This is how serious the love of money is. First Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And for many of us, the discontentment we wrestle with in regard to our possessions is 
somehow tied to a sinful affection for money or just stuff, things mm-hmm. money can buy. Yeah. And earlier I talked about how biblical contentment is trusting in God, right? It's mm-hmm. resting in his promises and unchanging character, finding him all satisfying. And here on the flip side, the love of money is actually trusting in stuff. Yeah. It's relying on money and the things that money can buy for satisfaction. Mm. It's looking to money to meet needs. It's spending your money on stuff to make you happy. And yeah, we have a name for that. It's called retail therapy. <laughs> so um, I just share that to say, like, we have a propensity to do this. Mm-hmm. The issue is of our hearts. It's the love yeah. of money. Like money in and of itself isn't bad, right? Right. Material yeah. things in and of themselves are not bad. Mm-hmm. However, we have to face the hard truth that our checkbooks, I guess our bank accounts are more applicable nowadays. Those things paint a pretty accurate picture of our affections. Mm. Our spending habits do reveal what and where our treasures are. And so yeah. Jesus said, Matthew six twenty one, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then a few mm. verses down from there, he says, no one can serve two masters for either he will yeah. hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Mm. So Jesus said it plainly there. These things are mutually exclusive. We cannot serve God and money and we can't deceive ourselves here. Mm. Yeah, this is such a hard thing to talk about. I know like it was like, do we really have to go here? I know. And it's so hard because we all face this in some way. Mm -hmm. And I really think that it is an ongoing battle in the life of every believer that constantly we have to be looking to and examining and having heart checks pretty yeah. regularly because you know even if you say like oh well i don't struggle with the love of money you know i've i'm like living simply i'm a minimalist or i only make x amount of dollars mm-hmm. per year clearly i'm not like raking it in and you know whatever it may be but the truth is that love of money like you said can also just be the love of the things that money can buy yeah whether that is our own sense of control and security or mm-hmm. whether that is just like pretty things that you want to have in your house or the kinds of clothes that make you feel a certain way or make you look a certain way. There are all kinds Mm -hmm. of things. And the truth is that whether we want to admit it or not, we all wrestle with this in some capacity. Yeah. And, you know, when our hearts are set on material things, it's it's so dangerous because it distracts us from the things that really matter. It's It's like you read, Stephanie, in Matthew 6, 24, We cannot serve the master of money or the master of material possessions and serve God at the same Mm -hmm. time. It's going to be one or the other. Our affections will be divided. And you know, you're right, Stephanie, it's a heart issue. It's not black and white. And that makes it really difficult. But here's what I don't think the answer is. I don't think the answer is to get rid of everything that you have in the name of living for God, you know, like, well... (laughs) If I can't serve two masters, I'm just going to throw it all out, right? I'm going to get rid of it. And in fact, I think that in a sense, that's actually the easy way out. Yeah. It doesn't sound easy, but it actually is because it doesn't deal with the heart issue. Yeah. And, you know, I think we can find ourselves trying to be pious 
um, by maybe avoiding something entirely instead of actually dealing with the sin in our hearts. Mm -hmm. So let me give an example. Imagine that there is somebody, and it might be that somebody comes into your mind when I say this. Imagine that there is somebody that you have a really hard time being around and you just get angry every single time that you're around that person, right? And so you decide, I'm just going to avoid them at all costs. And I'm going to get rid of that symptom of anger that's triggered by seeing that person. But the thing is, you haven't actually dealt with the bitterness and the hatred in your own heart. Yeah, You've taken the easy way out by avoiding the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that we could have the tendency to do that with material things too. Yeah, And the truth is, there are so many material things that are actually truly good gifts from God that are made to be enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And so we have to live in this tension. We have to find the balance here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 1 Timothy 6, 17 says that God provides us with things for our enjoyment. And that's actually talking in the context of material things. Mm-hmm. They are created for our enjoyment, but these things aren't an end in and of themselves. Right? Yeah. That's not where our satisfaction f- rests. But the gifts are meant to point us back to the giver. Exactly. They are imperfect reflections of his perfection, of his beauty, or of his goodness, or of his grace and Mm -hmm. generosity to us. And what they should do is not pull our affections away from God, but direct our affections back up to him. Yeah. First Timothy 6 is the passage to study here. Oh, yeah. But you know what? It can be hard to practically live this out, right? How do we enjoy the good gifts that God gives us without idolizing Mm. them? Yeah. That's the million dollar (laughs) question here. Oh, yeah. And it can be tricky to balance. And while we'll offer some practical advice here, like the ultimate answer is Christ. That is our answer to that million dollar question. How do we Mm -hmm. combat materialism and discontentment and wayward affections, it's Christ. Mm -hmm. How do we love the giver above the gifts? We have to see the beauty of the giver and see that any and all gifts pale in comparison to him. Mm. So friends, like we have to hold fast to the gospel. We can't get distracted. We can't allow our culture to lure us away from the beauty of the gospel Because Mm -hmm. there is nothing more stunning and worthy of our affections than Christ that we're prone to wander and forget. So we have to stand firm and hold fast to the gospel. We have to be proactive here. Mm. And I think something we have to do is we have to be honest with ourselves. Yeah, Like you said, no one is totally immune to Mm -mm. materialism. Whatever your financial situation is right now, you are not immune to materialism. Yeah. It takes continual examination to see if we are elevating gifts above giver, right? Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. Enjoyment of God's good gifts can become idolatrous. Mm -hmm. And so we need to regularly assess 
the health of our enjoyment of stuff. Does that sound yeah. weird to assess your enjoyment, your level of enjoyment, your engagement no, yeah. with God's gifts? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I read an article from John Piper earlier this week. I'll link it in our show notes. And it was just really helpful in this evaluation process. But we also need to recognize that we need accountability because sometimes it's hard mm-hmm. to be brutally honest with yourself, right? Yeah. Sometimes we, you can't even see exactly. the issues in your own heart. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we've intentionally turned a blind eye or like you said, we literally have blind spots and can't mm-hmm. see that we've gone off balance. Yeah. And so I highly recommend giving a few people that you do life with regularly, give them permission to confront you when they see you elevating gifts above giver or when they see that your discontentment with material possessions is actually covetousness at this point. Mm, yeah. Man, we need people. Because <laughs> you're right. We do have so many blind spots and we need people who are willing to get to know us enough and love us enough to yes. actually confront us on those things. Yeah. And you know, I mentioned that first Timothy six seventeen verse. I do want to come back to that passage because Stephanie, I think that that you're right, that this is a really helpful passage for understanding this issue. And the verses surrounding that verse are really helpful. So I want to read them. This is first Timothy six, seventeen through nineteen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, Mm. thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And so a few things about this verse. First of all, Uh, He doesn't start out by saying, as for the rich in this present age, throw out your riches, right? (laughs) This is is not the call to just say, it's evil, get rid of it, right? But what he does say is he says, don't be haughty. And the idea of being haughty is having this sense of superiority or arrogance because of what we have. And the opposite of being haughty is being humble. And so there's a call in the midst of our material possessions that we have for humility, recognizing that these things aren't our hope, that these things mm-hmm. don't guarantee us security. Yeah. And that's why we have to be humble. It says it right there because riches are not a true hope. Mm-hmm. So it says, don't set your hope in riches, but set your hope on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And so what that is telling us is as we set our hope on God, let those things that we have be a reminder to point us back to God, right? Let them direct our gaze back to him. And, you know, practically, this takes a lot of practice. Yeah, Um, sure. I think that it goes hand in hand with first and foremost, saturating our minds with the truth of God's word, you know, saturating our minds with his goodness and who he is so that our minds go there first. Um, And I think that we can actually form habits in our brains of directing our eyes to God when we enjoy the gifts that he's given us. So I think that really super practically, we can start practicing this by doing things like setting intentional time when we are going to practice this. It might feel weird at first, but (laughs) maybe you say, okay, um, this week, Every time that I eat breakfast, 
I am going to take that experience of eating and enjoying these good gifts to think on the sweetness of God and on his graciousness to not just, you know, give me some like nutrition that goes just directly and I don't have to taste, right? But that Mm -hmm. actually he blesses us with tasting this goodness. And maybe it's that you say, okay, today I'm going to take five minutes to step outside and like listen to the birds, feel the breeze, and think about the God who created these things and how the world reflects him. And it might feel strange, but we can actually form habits so that even when we're not having that intentional planned time, our minds start to go there yeah. automatically. Yeah. And so I think that it's good to actually intentionally practice this. Oh, I agree. And yeah. then, you know, going on in these verses, it says they are to do good to be rich in good works, right? So if we're going to have riches of wealth, we should be more rich in the good works that we have. Yeah. And it says to be generous and ready to share. And I think that generosity is a huge part of really tackling this issue of materialism um, in our lives. I think on the one hand, our generosity can kind of act like a litmus test for how much we love money. For sure. And how much we love things. You know, are we willing to be generous? And if we have a big hold up there and we really have a hard time being a cheerful giver, we might need to confess some stuff before God. For sure. We are hoping in our stuff. Yeah. But also, I think that the act of generosity is an active way to practice releasing our grip mm-hmm. on those things. And so it's one of those things, it's like you don't have to wait to do it until you do it perfectly. But when you see that you're doing it imperfectly, that's an opportunity to turn in confession and repentance and ask God for help. And lastly, in these verses, it tells us to remember the thing that truly satisfies, right? It says to take hold of that which is truly life, right? Stuff is Mm -hmm. not the answer. Stuff's not going to give us life. But God is the giver of life and the giver of everything that is going to satisfy and bring us joy. Yeah, I really liked what you said there. I mean, all of it was so good, but especially of like, you don't have to be rich financially to practice generosity. Mm. And you don't have to perfect your heart in this matter before you are generous to others. Mm. Um, That was helpful for me. And so hopefully that's an encouragement to everyone that God is after our heart, even in our giving, right? He wants us to be Mm -hmm. cheerful givers and we will find him all satisfying, even in our giving. Yeah. So, you know, let's, let's get practical with this. Like, how do we fight for that contentment, right? When there are all these voices, whether it's advertisements on your kids' TV stations or on your own TV stations or the holiday lists on Instagram that Mm -hmm. all the influencers are posting all these super expensive things that need to be on your wish list, right? (laughs) How do we fight for contentment practically when the world just tells us to go after more? And the first thing I would say is develop a taste for God's presence and for God's word, the things that really are going to satisfy And, you know, we talk about this all the time about the need to be regularly in God's word. And one thing that I do want to emphasize is not just reading God's word, but meditating on God's word. Yeah. We did a whole episode on this about scripture meditation, but something happens when we think on the goodness of God Mm -hmm. and the truth of his word, and we allow it to saturate our hearts and 
we um, we don't just hear it and let it go in one ear and out the other. Right. But meditating on his word really changes our hearts. And as we develop more of a taste for him and for his word, our taste for those other things are just kind of going to decrease. Mm-hmm. And that has to be a regular practice. Just like you may get a taste for healthy food because you've been eating healthier, it just takes one weekend of pizza and pumpkin pie or whatever it may be to crave those things again, right? We have to yeah. regularly be returning to God's word. Yeah. It's amazing how this really correlates like with our cravings and mm-hmm. just that metaphor, man, it is so rich yeah. um, because you're right. We have to cultivate our cravings. And when it comes to reading God's word and scripture meditation and all of those spiritual disciplines, we may find that it's going to take time and effort to cultivate a craving for those eternally worthy things. Mm -hmm. And I thought of this Jonathan Edwards quote that was so good. And I'm going to read it. It says, we endeavor to promote spiritual appetite by laying ourselves in the way of allurement. So Mm. basically what he's saying is, Put yourself along the paths of grace. Study the word. Sit under the preaching of his word. Have friends that talk about the gospel truths. Try to consume Mm. as much as you can of his word, of, of what is good, and allow this taste to develop in you. And so just be wise in what you're consuming, right? Yeah. And that might mean we need to put boundaries in place to limit our exposure to things that whet our appetite for things that don't satisfy. So maybe that means for you that you need to limit your social media time. Or Mm -hmm. maybe it's going through who you're actually following on social media and unfollowing some of them because there's only so much you can consume, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, unsubscribe from newsletters from your favorite retailers, especially in Mm -hmm. this time of year. Um, I love the Unenroll Me app. It's a super Mm -hmm. simple way to unsubscribe from the many retailers you offhandedly subscribe to over the year. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how those add up. And just a fact, you'll be less likely to be leered by something if you're not exposed to it. That's so true. Yeah, all you can do is open up one of those anthropology emails and all of a sudden you want everything. Exactly. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so true. That's really practical. Just... Look and see, Don't look. What, what am I setting my eyes on and how can I think on and look on the things that are good and honorable and true and lovely mm-hmm. and all of those things? Exactly. And, you know, another practical thing is I think that contentment is really closely tied to gratitude. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not going to go too much into this, but I did want to direct you back to, again, episode 41, Cultivating a Heart of Gratitude, where we talk about a lot of different ways you can do that. Yeah. Um, but for today, I would say this goes back to rehearsing the gospel. Mm-hmm. This goes back to rehearsing the fact that we are desperately wicked and sinful and that God in his abundant mercy and grace was so generous to us to offer us eternal life. And the gratitude that that develops in our hearts will carry over into the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you are listening during the holiday season when this is airing, um, you don't have to be. But if you are, we want to give some practical tips for how to 
fight for contentment specifically around Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) So one thing that I would say that we talked about in our last episode is observe Advent. You know, use this time leading up to Christmas to really set your heart on the things of Christ, to set your heart on the eternal things. Yeah. If you haven't started yet, Advent started December 1st, but it's not too late to jump in. Take this opportunity to redirect your eyes and your hearts that are always going toward the decorations and all the gifts and all the Christmas stuff and put them back to where it matters. Mm -hmm. Um, And we give lots of tips for how you can do that in our last episode as well. Another thing that I thought of was setting a budget for your Christmas gifts. Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy to get out of hand (laughs) and to think, okay, I've was going to spend this, but then I saw this thing that I really want or that my kids definitely need or whatever it may be. And so (laughs) it's helpful to very practically say, we're going to spend this much money and or we're going to buy this many gifts for each Mm -hmm. kid and we're going to limit it at that and hold yourself to it. And if you're really struggling to hold yourself to that, maybe that's a red flag too. Yeah. Um, And, you know, in place of spending all that money on gifts and all those things, I would also encourage you to find time and ways to serve and give as a family. Mm-hmm. It's practicing that generosity, not just with our money, but also with our time mm-hmm. um, and giving that time to serve as we've been served. Yeah, those are all great tips. And, you know, I feel like many of us really want to show our kids that Christ is most satisfying, right? Especially mm-hmm. in Christmas, we want to point our kids to Christ, that he is the reason for the season, <laughs> <laughs> and we have all of these good intentions, but I think that we just have to be extra diligent and mindful during the holidays and remember that our kids are watching and they're looking at how we're spending our money to see if like we're actually practicing what we're preaching, right? Um, mm-hmm. Our kids are seeing what we're actually magnifying during the Christmas holiday and what's yeah. really getting us excited. So this is a good time to say, you know, are we slipping in Jesus here and there? But we get way more excited about the twinkle light snow, hot, hot cocoa and gifts mm-hmm. um, and really be real with yourself. So I think practically something my family is doing um, to kind of combat that because we love the holidays and all of yeah. the magic that comes around with it. Um, And we want to share that with our kids. But, you know, some practical things that we're trying to do to combat that, especially as our kids are becoming more aware of themselves and the world around them, we're trying to, yes, preach the gospel, but also live out the gospel um, joyfully, however Mm. we can. So I've been thinking, how can we respond to the gospel by serving others in this season rather than seeking to get more stuff for ourselves? There are so many different ways that we can serve. Maybe that's making cards and a plate of cookies for a neighbor. Maybe Mm. it's serving in a soup kitchen. Maybe it's studying the desperate physical and spiritual needs around our world because we don't often think of that, right? Mm. In our normal everyday lives. And so our family loves window into the world. I'll link that um, resource in our show notes, but it's a way to actually see um, how people are living outside of our context, outside Mm. of our neighborhood, our country. And really the possibilities are endless. So I would just encourage you to brainstorm together as a family how you can practically live out contentment in Christ. How can you live out the truth in 1 Timothy 6, 6, that godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm. 
Mm, yeah, and that's definitely a worthwhile conversation to have. And this is just such a good thing to even just start thinking about. And like you said, Stephanie, brainstorm as a family and ask God to help you and give you wisdom mm-hmm. as you navigate this tricky issue and ask him to reveal the sin in your heart and mm-hmm. ask him to help you to grow um, in sanctification through this season. So we hope that you all are having a very Merry Christmas. And we would love to ask you if you have been enjoying the show and you wouldn't mind taking just a minute to leave us a review on iTunes. We love hearing from you and it helps other women be able to find our show more easily as well. So you can go and do that through the podcast app on iTunes. Well, thank you everybody for joining us and we'll talk to you once again next Tuesday. 